Hello, Marvelites, and welcome to episode 132 of the This Week in Marvel podcast. We are the official podcast of Marvel.com. And Marvel, let's go ahead and say it. We're the official podcast of Marvel, the official podcast of all things comics, movies, TV, and personnel changes. I am Ben Morse, the editor of Marvel.com, and once again, Ryan Panagos, Agent M, is not here. Last week he was sick. Luckily he is better, but he is on vacation celebrating his awesome wife's birthday. We wish her the best. Thankfully I'm not alone. Uh, Graduating from his role last week in episode 131 as kind of my Ed McMahon sidekick, uh, intern Alexander Lopez is going to be assuming full co-hosting duties today. What's going on? Very excited. Very excited. You ready? Yep. Do my best. <laughs> I think this is historic. I mean, we've done 132 of these, so I may be wrong, but I think this is the first time an intern has gotten this. I, I'm probably wrong. Long-time <laughs> listeners, please, please tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, but, you know, I'll let Alex know what kind of job you did. Where, who are you on Twitter? What? On what, Twitter? What's your, what's your name on Twitter? ALO1392. Okay, so ALO1392. <laughs> A-L-O. You can let Alex know if he did a good job or a bad job. Hashtag it this week in Marvel. We'll read it later. Uh, as a reminder, you can always hashtag your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns this week in Marvel, and we'll talk about them on the show. Not today, because today is a This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club week. We are finally going to get into the first part of the Birth of the Marvel Universe. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. And before that, we've got a lot of stuff to get to, beginning with this week's comic. So let's dive right in. First comic on the list is all-new X-Factor number 7, written by Peter David, art by Carmine D.G.N. Domenico. This is a... Finally, we finally have the whole cast in place, and I like this, because now Peter David feels really comfortable. He can start building relationships, and he can really start cooking. Uh, the first six issues were really getting all the characters on stage. Now we've got Polaris, Quicksilver, Gambit, Danger, and then Cypher and Warlock with the last two editions. We've got this anti-mutant bigot who's also an author who Danger enjoys. Uh, she gets in a neat little argument with Quicksilver about whether or not you know his political view should inform whether or not she enjoys his work. But he's also got a daughter who's making these crazy internet videos saying she wants to get out of the house and her dad's shutting him down. So Cypher wants them to go and free this girl, which is a little bit of a conflict because they're a corporate superhero team. This is a private citizen. Uh, he's very wealthy. So they go in their cities, their uh, civilian clothes, and try to get to the bottom of things. But the real highlight of this for me is the interaction between team members, Danger with Warlock, Danger with Quicksilver, Danger with just about anyone. It's pretty fun. Polaris finding her way, Gambit with his cats. Carmine D.G. Anamenico and Colorously Lorridge deserve a lot of credit. Seven issues in, they have not missed a beat. They're doing kick-ass work on art. Looking forward to see where this title goes now that it really feels like a Peter David X-Factor title where he can really stretch his legs, whatnot. Amazing Spider-Man number 1.1. This is a big launch for us. This is the Learning to Crawl storyline. This is Dan Slott and Ramon Perez, two incredible creators, digging into the period in between when Spider-Man was first introduced in Amazing Fantasy number 15 and the early issues of Spider-Man. So kind of dancing between the raindrops of what we've seen already, really just expanding on stuff we've already seen as far as right after the burglar got away and Uncle Ben's dead, Peter dealing with the aftermath, Peter dealing with his aunt, uh, Peter dealing with issues at school, with friends, and also something's never really been addressed. How is he going to make money? Because Ame doesn't work. Uh, she's an old lady. 
and Uncle Ben just didn't have as much put away as they thought he did. Uh, so Dan Slott really gets into the logistics of how Peter's going to survive. It's cool because Peter Parker's Spider-Man was a much different character starting out than we've got to know him. You know, he was a flawed human being. He was selfish. He was, you know, not the best guy. And we saw that in Amazing Fantasy 15. He learns about great power and responsibility. And you think suddenly, like, the flip is switched. Now he's a superhero. Not so much. And that's kind of what they get into in learning to crawl. Also, they introduce a new character called Clash, who is a nice parallel to Peter Parker. It's another teenage uh, genius who idolizes Spider-Man. We'll see where he goes from that. And Ruan Perez's art is just insane. It's off the hook. Uh, Ian Herring on colors. Just beautiful, gritty stuff. Able to kind of homage Steve Ditko, but then just go off in his whole own direction. So big recommendation for learning to crawl. Checking all of that out. Yeah, I thought that book was great. Yeah, I really liked it a lot. Um, on to the next one, The Amazing Spider-Man, Who Am I, number one. This is um, a Spider-Man Infinite comic, the first chapter. Yeah. I thought it was pretty fun. It's a fun little book. Uh, it kind of starts off, Spider-Man wakes up, doesn't know who he is, doesn't know what he's wearing, anything. Um, he's in the middle of a bank robbery, and it looks like he's helping the bank robbers out, actually. <laughs> it was pretty interesting to see, and he's kind of fighting against himself uh is this wrong is this not i guess this is who i am and i don't know the art's real fun in this book i really liked it i thought it was a, a nice like mirror issue to amazing spider-man 1.1 yeah. especially reading it after um it's really just great stuff and at the end kind of i don't know it's kind of a surprise you see spider-man do something you would never think spider-man would do <laughs> very true and that of course is available both print but also digitally i think that's actually like the first four infinite comics compressed into one if you guys don't know what infinite comics are they're specifically designed for a tablet uh and you can see it in this it's kind of like you know you yeah. scan through also first error on your part oh, creative so... team of that book oh, written by josh fialkov art by juan babillo completely just skipped my mind all right I'm so sorry to you, you did, a good, <laughs> did a good summary yeah. josh fialkov is gonna kill you all right <laughs> all right try it again and next one black widow number three by nathan edmondson and art by uh, phil noto nice job and it's colored by phil noto as well yeah yeah he, he does right. it all yeah because this art in black widow i mean you guys said it plenty of times before i'm say it again awesome <laughs> i love it especially for black widow i think it fits so well it's great um, this picks up just where the last issue left off. Kind of Natasha tied up, you know, doing her thing. <laughs> uh, she's looking for the indestructible man, and she finds him <laughs> later on issue. And this whole overlaying issue is kind of just like the whole fact that she's alone. Hmm. And it's kind of just like she's always thinking to herself that she, uh, she has no one, she kind of needs someone. And at the end, something happens with the indestructible man in the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters that kind of puts in uh, something on top of that and she's kind of just looking for a friend for a friend at the end of the issue she's talking about how sometimes you know she's with the avenger but sometimes she just needs to be on her own and do yeah. her own thing you know cool cameo and, by a fellow avenger very uh, quick cameo very quick i don't even want to say who it is yeah it's, i don't really want to ruin it <laughs> but um yeah it's a great 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 book uh if you guys haven't gotten into it yet i think you should really get into it and it's a great issue you guys should really check it out Another big launch this week, Cyclops number one. I was very excited for this one. Written by Greg Rucka, art by Russell Douterman. Uh, beautiful art. 
really impressed by. I've never seen Russell's work before, so I was I was kind of blown away by that. I love so, the cover. Yeah, awesome cover too. Covers amazing, and the variant covers are really cool too. I've seen them. Yeah, all the all all yeah, the, and the main cover was done by I think it was Alexander, Alexander Lozano. Yeah. yeah. Great covers all around. Very, very true. And uh, Cyclops number one is focusing on the young Cyclops from all new X-Men. Make that clear right off the bat. Not the adult Cyclops. Uh, he is now separated from his time-traveling buddies. And he's out in space with his dad, who's a space pirate. And it's all told from Cyclops' point of view. Greg Ruck is a great writer in terms of getting in the heads of characters who you wouldn't assume... Like, they don't really have much in common with him. He's not... He's not. He's he's really good at writing female characters. He's really good at writing teenagers. He does a great job here of kind of like just catching up with the overwhelmed nature of Cyclops being like I'm in a different time. My dad, who I thought was dead, is alive. Uh, he's the coolest guy in the world in the universe. I want to spend time with him. I'm also out in space. I love his scenes with Hepzibah, who is his dad's girlfriend. like skunk alien <laughs> girlfriend. They have a cool relationship. I like because you know normally the the cliche is like you won't like her you won't get along with her he's like, ah, why are you trying to replace my mother but here he's like yeah she's really cool i just want her to like me and interaction with all the star jammers in general um and the flip side revolving corsair cyclops's dad as he is a little worried because he's he's spent time with his uh, the adult version of his son but he's never spent time with the young version of his son he's never had to be a dad to a teenager so this is all new to him and the struggle is for Cyclops to fit in and impress his dad, but at the same time, his dad is trying to be a good father to him and figure out what that means. So it's a neat action issue. There's a lot of cool stuff in outer space. There's aliens, there's the works, there's you know big explosions and all that drawn expertly. But at the middle of it, you have this multi-generational father-son drama. So it's a different kind of book, and I, uh, I hope people will give it a chance. I think this is easily going to become one of my favorites, and I... I've been a long time fan of Greg Rucka and have been enjoying getting to know Russell Dowderman as well. Yeah, I'm really excited for that whole series because uh, the first issue is awesome. And yeah. I mean, I'm kind of biased though. Cyclops was always one of yeah. my favorites when I was growing up. Yeah, him and Al, um, Alex Summers Havoc. You know, wow, it's great. Nice. You know? All right, but um, on to the next one Deadpool vs. Carnage, number three, by Cullen Bunn, um, art by Salva Espin, colors with Veronica Gandini. Mm. Very nice. No problem, no problem. <laughs> and, uh, you know, picks up where the other one left off. Just Carnage, Deadpool, doing their thing, fighting, real graphic, real awesome. <laughs> you know, just tearing each other apart, healing, coming back. And um, this became the issue. Deadpool's kind of just like, you know, being Deadpool, going on about signs and different things. And uh, towards the middle of the issue, once they stop fighting for, you know, a little bit, <laughs> uh, Carnage kind of hijacks in this van with these traveling family <laughs> and uh he's talking to them and he's just in his head he's like what was deadpool mammering about you know what is he talking about all these signs and he starts following the signs as well leading to a very cool i'm not want to ruin a very cool place um deadpool finds him start fighting again and at the end it leaves deadpool in a different spot, mm. but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> the last page is pretty much the most '90s page you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's you'll get there and you'll be like, "Oh, okay, that's everything about the '90s in one splash page." We should emphasize this is uh, 
not for kids. Yeah, no kids way. should not be reading this book unsupervised. Probably not even supervised. It's super violent. It's very super graphic. Violent. Yeah, very graphic. Very and treats graphic. the violence there's, very like casually too. So like in the beginning, I don't really want to ruin anything, but in the beginning, Deadpool kind of got hit by a truck. Yeah, it's, it's nasty. <laughs> yeah. It's super fun if you're of age and uh, and know how to understand this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 gross. It's, which is part of why it's great. It's a great book though. <laughs> Absolutely, Iron Fist, Living Weapon Number Two. Everything by Care Andrews. He's writing, he's drawing, he's doing the whole shebang. Once again, we are cutting back and forth between the present and the past, seeing Danny Rand's origin, which I'm really, really digging because Danny Rand's origin, it's been retold, but never quite in this way, never with this amount of detail. The art is beautiful. The effects used to emphasize that it's the past, that's awesome. But while Danny's trying to figure out in the present uh, why there are ninjas after him, and why something's going on with Kun Loon. We also cut to Kun Loon, which was a big part of the most recent Iron Fist series, Immortal Iron Fist, and we touch on some of the characters and some of the cliffhangers that was left there, as far as the Thunderer, the Steel Serpent, all the kind of familiar characters from Iron Fist lore. We find out where they are. The art in this book is just beautiful. Uh, there's really something to be said, and Kerr wrote about it in the first issue, about a writer who is visualizing something from start to finish. So, like, this is what he wants to see. He brings it to life on the page, and it is all beautiful. Uh, just a great action book. And, again, kind of like in the same vein as Cyclops. It's got a lot of things going on. It's got a lot of action going on, but at the same time, it's got a lot of generational stuff, a lot of drama, and then just big mythology, which is what Iron Fist really shines in. So that's cool. Loki, Agent of Asgard, number four, written by Al Ewing, art by Lee Garbet. We have um, Sigurd who was introduced back in the New Mutants Journey into Mystery crossover, comes on the scene here. He's looking for his sword, which Loki has. And Sigurd was the first hero of Asgard, but he's kind of a jerk now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you definitely get that from him. This is very much in the Loki mold, the stories we've come to expect from, from Journey into Mystery, from this book, from everything, where there's one story being told, but really there's something completely different going on beneath the surface. Um... I love the nice touches. Basically, Loki and Sigurd fight over this sword, but you have these nice touches like Sigurd trying to hit on Verity Willis, who's this girl who can see the truth about everything. You have these nice little captions explaining like what Sigurd's wearing, what Loki cooked for dinner, uh, just the things that make this fun. I love when he is Loki is talking to the All-Mother and they manifest on his TV as a video game, like an 8-bit video game, that he's playing like Space Invaders and he's shooting them. It's hilarious. The book is funny. The book is fun. The book is really clever. What Loki manages to do and the appearance of a character we don't necessarily expect once Sigurd tries to take care of the sword is very neat. And then the cliffhanger of the last issue sets up where this book is headed next, which looks to be a very interesting direction involving a lot of cool characters. Magneto number three. Uh, I loved this book. I tweeted about it over the weekend. It's written by Colin Bunn, who's bringing his A-game, and Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, who I think is phenomenal talent. So glad he's on this book. Jordi Belair, one of the best colorists in the business. Magneto is trying to track down the people who are manufacturing human sentinels, basically updated versions of Omega Sentinels. He finds the base, and he finds the people responsible, and it's just... This is a book that only Magneto could star in, because he's not a hero, he's not a villain, he's just Magneto. He's just brutal. Some of the stuff he does in this is gross. I love this book. Yeah. I, say, I love this book. I look at everything about it. <laughs> it's so gritty and it's so emotional. It's just like, you know, some of these ways, I was just, it's almost like that flip from Loki where it's like, oh, this is so fun. This is so clever. This is just like a bullhammer. It's just like 
pounds you on every page. There's a lot of allusions back to uh, Grant Morrison's new X-Men run when Magneto was the ruler of Genosha and it got wiped out by Sentinels, explaining why, you know, he has this burden on him, why he hates Sentinels. I think it's just these dark pages, like, where he uses his powers to find out what's going on in the in the base, what's at the what's at the center of it, and Walter just depicts the hell out of these. Get this one conflicted scientist, uh, Magneto kind of I want to say torturing her, but like getting her deuced. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much torture. This is basically torture. <laughs> it's ju- it's just a visceral but book. The way he does it is crazy. Yeah. It's just so interesting. Oh, man. <laughs> it's he could do. It's a visceral book, and it really like it does not try to sugarcoat Magneto. No, no way. It does not try to say like this is a good guy. It's just like this is what he does. Yeah, this is Magneto. Yeah. This is how he is. Yeah, that's it. If you agree <laughs> with him, great. If you don't. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's it's a really spellbinding book, and I think that creative team's doing an awesome job. All right, next one up, Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man number one. This is going to be a great, great, great series. Absolutely. It is by heavy hitter Brian Michael Bendis, yep. of course. I was just on the phone with Bendis yesterday doing a podcast you guys are going to hear soon, and he's super excited about this book and the reaction to issue number one. Yeah, this is a, it was a big issue. <laughs> mm. um, art by David Marquez and colors um, by Justin Ponser. And it starts off with in a shield base, basically, with the locked up Norman Osborn. Mm. And uh, the shield. Spoiler. Yes. He's alive. Yeah. Spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, the shield agent that's like handing him over someone punches him in the face. Yeah. I thought that part was great because, I mean, obviously, you know what Norman Osborn did. He killed Peter Parker. So it's, uh, it's awful. <laughs> and. It, then it goes into another action-packed like scene where these two, what are they like loading like an armor truck or something? Yeah, basically. Yeah, all right. So then these two twins of some kind in these costumes, yeah, they're kind of posing as someone. Hey, you know they're twins. Oh, I mean, like twin costumes. Yeah, <laughs> the same costume. Doesn't mean they're twins. Yeah, you and I wear the same shirt. We're not twins. <laughs> all right, all right. Twin costume superheroes, not really right, twins, fraternal or identical or anything. Thank you. Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> no problem. And um, starting off, and they go to rob this truck, I'm guessing, and they have a fight with these two people that are loading the truck, and then right from there, we break into Miles Morales, who's dealing with a lot right now. His dad left after he revealed to him that he was Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, his dad blamed him for his mom's death. Uh, and he's going, he's talking to Katie Bishop, you know, another thing he's struggling with now, relationship, you know, he's always gone to Spider-Man. Yeah, so, this is something Bendis did way back in the original Ultimate yeah, Spider-Man, like kind of the idea of, of, you know, if you have a girlfriend, you're a teenager, <laughs> the first thing you want to do is tell her you're a superhero. Um, but is that a good idea? And I like the callback here, because he actually goes and talks to Mary Jane, Jane about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Sex Mary Jane, they meet, and she basically gives him some great advice, I thought, because... Yeah. Once you share that secret, there's yep. no going back. You yep. know, you have to trust this person forever. Yep. You, this is something you can't just tell anyone. Yeah. And um, talks to his friend, his best friend was Gonke. Yeah, Gonke. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, that's what. But um, <laughs> he's telling him, "Don't tell her." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thinks it's an awful idea. Um, but you know, being Spider-Man, he has to outweigh the decision himself. Yep. And then we get to the last few pages, which I'm not gonna spoil anything. Huge, huge, huge. 
definitely pick up this book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. You definitely need to read this. It's and... about the biggest last page you can imagine for this yeah, book. Yeah, I did not expect that at all. That was really? the last thing I expected. Yeah. Um, a couple of the it's other cool. interns here, because they're like an editorial, and they mm-hmm. see scripts and things, so they're talking about it, and um, I didn't hear, they're like, you guys like, read it, uh, and they're like, um, if you don't like, want to know ending, just like walk away. So yeah. I walked away. Ah, so, <laughs> that's great. And then I read it over the weekend, I was like, wow. It's nuts. <laughs> I was like, it's crazy. It's definitely, 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 definitely pick this up, please. Cool. <laughs> All right, swinging over to Miracle Man number five, of course, reprinting the classic Miracle Man stories by the original writer, art by Alan Davis, art by John Ridgway. Got three main Miracle Man stories here as uh, Emil Gergunza has now come on the scene and he's going to be kind of the big bad of this piece. We don't really know he's up. Stuff's going on with Johnny Bates. A lot of conflict identity issues between Mike Moran and Miracle Man, who are the same person, but Mike Moran's feeling like he can't deal with stuff. He can't take care of his wife. He can't do things. So he's basically switching to Miracle Man a lot. There's an interesting running with a kid which is kind of the stuff that really made this legendary, just these human moments. Uh, something happens to Miracle Man's wife. He has to enlist Evelyn Cream to go and try to track things down. And you also have this cool, I've never read it, classic young Miracle Man story, which is completely silent and is hilarious. And I love that. A lot of backup material, as always. You know, Miracle Man, this has been a classic for decades. Don't really need to sell you on it. Uh, it is, you know, parental advisory, so kids ask your parents permission if i don't read it it's a little inappropriate uh but it's cla- it's great stuff i'm glad we're putting it out all right next one up moon knight number three by warren ellis art by declan Shalvey, and art by jordy blair yeah great stuff um so it starts off with this kind of punk rock ghost yeah <laughs> and they're just attacking people messing up the city moon knight of course shows up and is with a limousine yeah. <laughs> in a nice suit goes to fight them tries to punch them he's like what's happening yeah. <laughs> why can't I hit them then he kind of gets yeah. beat up pretty bad <laughs> this is where like I mean, we've said this before on this book but the colors by Jody Belair like really Jody Belair really come into play because yeah. Moon Knight just being this stark white against this <laughs> awesome like the color palette background. Yeah, it looks and, great even the ghosts look awesome yeah. like they're so detailed but yep. like, you know they're only one color if you guys pick up the issue you'll see um, and then kind of you know being Moon Knight goes back home talks to himself a lot yeah. <laughs> kind of figures out while talking to this creepy like skeleton in the corner how he can like battle these ghosts and um the ending's pretty interesting (laughs) really not sure how he does it but he stops it (laughs) yeah it's uh it's pretty interesting and everything moon knight like puts on to stop these ghosts like to use stop ghosts i think it's awesome looking (laughs) yeah so you guys should definitely pick up this see exactly what it's about it's a great book. <laughs> All right, New Warriors number four brings the first storyline of New Warriors to a close. It's written by Chris Yost, art by Marcus Toe. Um, as a big-time original New Warriors fan, I am really enjoying the spirit of this book. It's, it's very different. It's got some of the same characters, but you know a lot of newbies, uh, new villains, new threats. But somehow the spirit of the original New Warriors is there. Just this group of teens who want to make a difference, who... Don't they're they're not similar at all, but they pull together and just have this kind of like thing I always loved about New Warriors was they weren't the Avengers, they weren't the X Men, they really were these underdog team that kind of went against all odds and were really you know they were teenagers, they were cocky, they were kind of like screw you man, we're gonna win, yeah. even though we don't, and that's all here. They're fighting the High Evolutionary and the Evolutionaries. They're way outclassed. 
Um, Scarlet Spider's a jerk. It's fantastic. I love Kane. Scarlet Spider <laughs> is probably the breakout star of this book, but everyone's great. He's just like that grumpy yeah. kind of like older guy in the yeah. back that's just like, let's just do yeah. this. <laughs> He's great, but every character here shines. Speedball's oh, funny. Oh. I love that he calls Nova Kid Nova because that's a, that's a callback to the original Warriors. Like Nova call. was it's a like Kid Nova or Sam in this yeah. book, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> so... uh, I like Sun Girl stepping up and really just like doing her. She ends up being the big hero of the issue. Justice trying to take control. The new character shining. High evolutionary being, uh, you know, having, having his own things. I think Hummingbird is hilarious. Those are, we're going to be superheroes. I get yeah. so excited. The art's they, beautiful. When they first came in, like, the Warriors were like, they're, they're superheroes. Yeah, she gets so <laughs> excited. Um, there's a lot of callbacks for old fans. There's a Namorito reference. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah, just the highest compliment I can pay this book is that it feels to me like... The new Warriors book, but completely different. So I think it's going to appeal to old fans, new fans alike. I think it's great where at the end of the book, there's the moment where you think they're going to come together and be a team. And everyone's like, ah. And yeah, they're all like, like no one wants to do it, which again harkens back to the original team. So just cool stuff. I'm really, I'm really excited to keep going with this book. I love what Chris and Marcus are doing. Okay, the big one, big one of this week, huge one, original sin number one. I just got to say. The concept of this book alone, when I heard it, was just to me, I was like, that's a slam dunk. Because it's a murder mystery. Yeah. It's like the, such a cinematic feel. This very book. much. It's, this Even like all the introductions and everything, you're yeah. like, wow. Yeah, it feels like a movie. <laughs> it feels like a movie. And it feels huge. It feels epic. Like, it took me a while to read, which was cool. Um, I probably read it like three times already. Yeah? Yeah, because I just, I read it the first time, and I was like, that's yeah. amazing. I was like, I gotta read this again. <laughs> Jason Aaron is just a masterful writer. Uh whole issue as we know i mean we knew we we set off the bat the watcher gets killed so the watcher gets killed but even so his final scenes are really intense and really oh yeah they're right in the beginning it's yeah. like it has that whole like ominous feeling you know yeah and then all of a sudden he just like speaks yep bam <laughs> yeah. starts off down on earth we got captain america wolverine nick fury great scene that shows that nick fury is gonna be a central player in this so a lot of people who have been missing the older nick fury this is a great book for you and there's just kind of confusion among the avengers because like how could this happen like what happened what's going on and their normal tactics they know aren't going to work that's why captain america kind of says to nick fury like look you're the you're the forensics guy you're the ballistics guy conduct a murder investigation mm -hmm. and that's what he does so we've got this cosmic stuff we've got this action stuff we've got the avengery stuff but we've also got a murder mystery story which is just so cool to me because we haven't really done anything like that and while that's all going on the black panther under the direction of some mysterious person who i honestly don't know who it is and i'm pretty excited to find out um <laughs> assembles this fantastic like shadow ops team of ant-man emma frost the Punisher, Doctor Strange, Moon Knight, Winter Soldier, and Gamora paired up in the weirdest teams, especially yeah, Punisher like, and Doctor Strange. These little subsections of the team are just, like, outrageous. You're oh. like, wow, I can't wait for these people to work together. Yeah, the interactions are great. <laughs> Ant-Man and Emma are great. Uh, Moon Knight and Bucky kind of, like, not seeing eye to eye. <laughs> but then just Punisher and Doctor Strange is going to be standout. Oh. So then uh, you've got Mindless One wandering around New York, but there's something up with him. The thing fights him, so you do get action in this issue. You get everything in this issue. Oh. It really is packed. Um, and then by the end of the issue, you got Nick Fury agreeing to do the investigation. You've got the Shadow Team doing their thing, and then you've also got kind of hints of 
who's behind all this and why did they do this? But there's so many questions. And I love this because this is a story where, you know, I work here, but I don't know all the answers. And I am genuinely on the edge of my seat to find out what happens next. I can't not mention that Mike Diodato just draws the hell out of this issue. Uh, Mike Diodato is on pencils and inks, and then Frank Martin's on colors. It's beautiful. It's beautiful from start to finish. He's been, Mike's been around the Marvel Universe for, you know, well over a decade at this point. He knows how to draw every character. Um, and he's getting to draw some characters we've seen before. He's doing some for the first time, and he just brings a great, uh, broad appeal to all of them. So Original Sin, probably underselling it, honestly, no. uh, is incredibly good. It's, it's ah, like you, There's no words for it. You definitely, definitely need to pick this up, yeah. especially uh, if you're a fan, long-time reader. This is a huge issue. Yep. It is great. Yeah. Do not, like, yeah. just slip by. Let this one slip by. Uh, these guys just know what they're doing. Yeah. This is just, it's, it's the pleasure of watching people who know what they're doing make a great comic with just a great premise. So, highest possible recommendation for Original Sin number one. Definitely. All right, on to the next one, The Punisher number five. This picks up where the last one left off, of course. Um, you know, Frank Castle, being Frank Castle. <laughs> he uh, goes to find Tugs who was, is a military contact that he had. Yep. And uh, he was tied up in the last issue by these group that's calling themselves the New Howling Commandos. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, we haven't really found out much about them, but I'm sure it's coming. Uh, in this issue, you see what the Dos Souls gang's really up to. You find out their whole master plan, why they're doing this, the weapon that they're going to use to do this. Um, you see, basically, you just know everything. It's a pretty big scale, too. Um, it's a lot bigger than the thought it was. And by the end of the issue, which I thought the last few pages um, had like one of the greatest Punisher like lines <laughs> ever, just being the Punisher, he's up against Electro. And you gotta tune in to see what's gonna happen because this is a great this is a great it's a great book. It's just it's basically just Punisher. That's all it yeah. is. It's Punisher, Frank Castle being Punisher, doing what he has to do. L.A. is his city. He's going to take it back. <laughs> what do you think about Punisher having a mask now? Oh, my God. I love it. Oh, my God. When he's standing in the street. Yeah. Like, you'll I think see it adds pages. a lot to yeah. the, the visual. It's great. I love it because he still works without the mask, but the mask is very, very cool. It, it kind of just like... I'm pro-mask. Yeah. Like, Punisher, you know, without the mask, he's intimidating enough. Now yeah. he has this crazy yeah. cool mask on. <laughs> but I also like the idea of, you know, he uh, it allows him to interact with the supporting cast with them not necessarily knowing yeah, who, he who he is. is yeah. Which is cool. That is cool. I, I'm very pro-mask punisher also. I hope yeah. it sticks around yeah, for a while. Um, we'll see though. <laughs> Alright. Round in the final corner, we got Savage Wolverine number 18. Beautiful done-in-one issue. Awesome cover by Shane Davis. Written by Jen Van Meter. Art by Rich Ellis. Takes place in November 1963, which becomes important by the end, but basically just a, a one-shot issue of Wolverine blowing into a town. There are labor disputes between um, some of the, the immigrant workers, the migrant workers, and if they are migrants, they actually might be native. I don't want to be too yeah. I don't want to be too all over the place here, but uh, uh, the, the, the good old boys who don't want them kind of expand their political consciousness... Uh, there's a, a biker gang involved, and Wolverine gets in the middle of it. Read the issue, find out for yourself. And also for a done in one issue, it's really cool that it actually there's a last page twist. Yeah, it's kind of neat. I thought it was really awesome how it tied in to that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not expect it. I was yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. really cool. It's, and um, I kind of really liked about this book how you know these books are kind of just like Wolverine trying to help people, mm -hmm. and the and you know it's. A pretty, it's like kind of happy actually. Yeah, it's nice. It's a little, it's a little more upbeat than your average 
Wolverine. Book. Yeah, exactly. All right, final for this week, She-Hulk number four, ending with a strong one. This is another great issue. Written by Charles Soule, art by Javier Polito, colors by Muzza Vincente. So She-Hulk, in his last issue, unable to do anything for Kristoff. Uh, the son of Doctor Doom, because she won a case that won Kristoff kind of his his independence, uh, but then Doctor Doom came in and just kidnapped him back. <laughs> so she goes to San Francisco and has an awesome like five page team up interaction with Daredevil, where they just talk legal stuff. They have great banter. <laughs> I would love to see Charles Soule write them on a more regular basis. Um, and then she goes off to Latveria to settle things up with Kristoff. But just the the callbacks here where, you know, Charles Soule's going deep. He's referencing old Daredevil stories. He's referencing... It makes sense because this is a law book, so you got to reference old cases. Yeah. Uh, she goes to Liberia. Art is just so this sick here. It was great. When I, when I was reading this yeah. and I saw it, I was just like, wow. This is an amazing <laughs> splash page of She-Hulk and Daredevil going into action, which is awesome. She's like, so you have a night out? Yeah. <laughs> so, so she goes to that area. She ends up fighting a giant Doctor Doom robot. This whole sequence is very funny, um, but at the same time very smart. Uh, we find out the final fate of Kristoff, and then we immediately transition to the next story, which is... Something about a blue file, which I'm very intrigued by. It she involves She-Hulk and a bunch of other very random characters. Shocker's one of them. Shocker, <laughs> Doctor Druid's on there. Wyatt Wingfoot, Tigra. It's all over the place. So that's going to be her next case. But just a really visually striking book, but also smart and funny as well. I love the funny parts in that one where um, she's asking Kristoff if he can pay her yeah. anything, but like laughing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just like. No. <laughs> yeah, because the librarian money is uh, completely worthless and no good, but that's what he keeps paying around. Very much. All right, Alex, what is your Twim of the Week? Twim of the Week. I'm going to have to go for original sin number one. Yep. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of like obvious, but it was amazing. I'm with you, man. <laughs> I, I think I'm, original sin number one is mine as well. I want to just you know highlight some of the other ones that were really good. I thought strong launches. With Miles Morales and Cyclops, those were both great right out the gate. They're Same. definitely very, very, yeah. very good. Same with Spidey learning to crawl, um, and I really like Magneto number three. I like Magneto too. I like I like the Punisher a lot actually. Punisher's really good. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I really encourage you guys to get into it. If yeah. you guys like the Punisher, uh, then Punisher is just like yeah. it's Punisher being Punisher. That's yeah. it. It's great. And so, the mask this issue, yeah. like that's great. <laughs> so a lot of good books out. Also collections on sale this week. Age of Ultron is out in trade paperback. So if you've been waiting on that one, now you can own it. Put it on your bookshelf. Annihilation Omnibus in hardcover. I'm going to heartily recommend that. I love Annihilation. It's one of my favorite stories. So getting to read all of that at once can be awesome. Castle Unholy Storm is out in hardcover. Fire, which is the first comic book that Brian Michael Bendis ever did. So written and drawn by him really? is out in hardcover. I didn't know what it was. I looked it up, and that sounds very cool. Yeah, I might have to check that out. Indestructible Hulk Volume 2, Gods and Monsters, out in trade. Iron Man Fatal Frontier, which was the Island Man Infinite comic, is in hardcover. Uncanny X-Men Volume 3, The Good, The Bad, The Inhuman, is in hardcover. And then a bunch of X-Men stuff. X-Men Days of Future Past prose novel in hardcover. X-Men No More Humans, original graphic novel, that is in hardcover. X-Men The Adamantium Collection, so a huge, just tons of X-Men stuff in hardcover. And then X-Men vs. Hulk is out in trade paperback. Uh, digital comics on sale everything we talked about here yep. also on sale is Captain America um, 260, number 265 to 289 Iron Man number 56 to 80 Marvel graphic novel from 1982 the number f- the f- 
number five, sorry guys, <laughs> and X-Men, the 91 um, run, number 30. Yep, and that's all on the Marvel Digital Comics app, as well as these collections, A plus X Volume 2 equals Amazing, Age of Ultron, once again, Castle, Unholy Storm, Deadpool Volume 3, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Iron Man Fatal Frontier, Uncanny X-Force Volume 2, Torn and Frayed, Uncanny X-Men Volume 3, The Good, The Bad, and The Inhuman. So you have Deadpool, Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and X Uncanny X-Men, Good, The Bad, and The Inhuman. <laughs> so there's a lot of good, there's a lot of bad. Wolverine and the X-Men by Jason Aaron Volume 6, as well as Wolverine and the X-Men by Jason Aaron Volume 7, X-Men Legacy Volume 3, Revenants, X-Men No More Humans, and X-Men The Adam and Shame Collection. All right, freshly digitized for this week, guys. We have all-new X-Men number 18. Amazing X-Men number 1, Avengers Arena number 17, Captain America number 13, Captain Marvel number 17, Cataclysm, The Ultimate's Last Stand number 1, Daredevil Dark Knights number 6, Iron Man number 18, Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe number 1, Marvel Knights Spider-Man number 2, Marvel's Captain America First Adventure, the adaption from the movie, that's number 1. Um, Mighty Avengers number three, Shield Origins number one. That's all on Marvel Unlimited, guys. Uh, let's get into the news. I'm just breezing through this episode. It's awesome. <laughs> Alex, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. We announced our, not going to say final, but one of our last original Sentines this week, and we saved it because it's a big one. Uh, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's August, right? Yeah, it's going to yeah. start in August with issue number 18. We threw up a teaser image on Monday, and with the article, they actually wanted to release the teaser image first, and I said, no way. Got to do this all at once. Uh, it's Thanos and Nova, original Nova, Rich Rider. This is what you guys have all been asking for. Where's Nova? How did Star-Lord get back from the Cancerverse? How did Thanos get back? Why is Drax alive? All answered by Brian Bendis and Ed McGinnis starting in August. We had an interview with Brian. I spoke to him yesterday for a podcast that's going to come out way down the line. This is going to be awesome. It's one of the biggest original Sin tie-ins, so get on board now. Uh, we have started looking at our all-new Young Guns. We are interviewing them and also showing off exclusive preview art. This week we did Nick Bradshaw and David Marquez. Next week we will have more. Spoke to Sam Humphreys, who re-upped his Marvel exclusive. Super excited about that. Love Sam. He spoke about Legendary Star-Lord, which is the series he's working on next. He did a series at the end of last week called Finding the FF, or Finding the Fantastic Four. Kyle Fegley worked on that. He spoke to Tom Brevoort about the basically the most crucial issues of Fantastic Four from the 1960s as we continue our Marvel 75th celebration, uh, celebration of our 75th anniversary, which we should note, by the way, uh, well, I got Alex here. Uh, if you want to pick the 75 greatest Marvel comics of the last 75 years, you can. We're going to release them all in an omnibus this fall, and we're letting you guys pick it. There are two ways you can make your selections. You can hashtag Marvel75 on Twitter, like you've been doing, <laughs> and Alex will find it. Or you can send your picks via email to marvel75 at marvel.com. Again, Alex is checking that every day. Really so, excited to see what you guys pick. Yeah, please let us know whether you want to literally pick all 75, whether you want to give your top 10, anywhere in between. Just send in your picks, and we will get those collected for you. Really psyched to see what happens there. And finally, uh, Blake Garris, producer of this show, spoke with Mackay Pfeiffer last week. Mackay Pfeiffer, awesome actor, uh, is appearing in a new movie that Blake talks to him all about. He was just in Divergent. He was also on House of Lies on Showtime, which I love. Just an all-time good actor and a big Marvel Comics fan, so that was cool. That's good. All right, we're going to send things out west to Mark Strom, who has all the latest on movies, TV, and more. Mark, take it away. 
Hello there this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom coming to you as always from beautiful, sunny, overly gorgeous, seriously, it's kind of disgusting, Los Angeles, with the latest from Marvel West. Beginning with the big, big news this week, of course, is the upcoming season finale of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC. It's all been building up to this. The agents confront the clairvoyant, John Garrett. They confront Ward. Answers are questioned, or rather questions are answered, is the uh, usual way of phrasing that. And who knows, maybe some, maybe some answers are questioned. Yeah. Well, anyway. So, that all is coming up this Tuesday. Of course, we've got a sneak peek at the episode up on Marvel.com right now. Three minutes from the episode featuring Coulson rallying the troops, featuring a little standoff between... Not really standoff is the word. Maybe a, uh, a uh, disagreement of sorts between Ward and Garrett. And tons more. Check that out. Of course, we also have an all-new piece of art from The Art of Level 7, the final of six pieces, celebrating the final six episodes of the season. This sixth one is by Phantom City Creative, and it's a great piece that harkens back to that original piece of key art that we released for the series, wow, like eight months ago now, nine months ago now, a while back. It features the S.H.I.E.L.D. logo just shattering and the HYDRA logo being revealed behind it. It's spectacular. Check that out right now on Marvel.com, as always. And we will have, either going up later today or possibly Monday, one of the two, an interview with Bill Paxton himself, talking about his role as the big bad of the season and what we can expect from the season finale. And finally, next week we also have the season finale of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Declassified, so keep an eye out for that. In other TV news, we have new episodes of Marvel's Avengers Assemble returning. We've got three final episodes to round out the first season, beginning this Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, Inside Marvel Universe on Disney XD. This episode is entitled Crime and Circuses, and as some of you may be able to guess, stars the Circus of Crime. So, I don't know, I'm excited for that because I've always had a very soft spot for the Circus of Crime. I don't know why. I think it might have been, there's a uh, issue or a two-part story of the Incredible Hulk that was written by Joe Casey, drawn by Ed McGuinness. It must have been like Incredible Hulk 470 or 471. And yeah, it's just a very fun, very vibrant uh, Hulk story where Hulk went up against the circus of crime. And I always dug them ever since then, I guess. So, again, check that out this Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern Time inside Marvel Universe on Disney XD. And finally, rounding things out, we gave you two new photos of Chris Pratt as Peter Quill in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. You can check those out right now on Marvel.com. And, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy hits theaters August 1st of this year. Just a... I guess two and a half months away? Wow, that is very, very close. But yes, about two and a half months away, you can see it for yourself. That pretty much covers everything I've got. So, 
with that, I bid you adieu. I wish you a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous er week. I'll chat with you once more in seven days. And as always, I thank you for listening. Thank you, Strami. Thank you for all the news you can use from out in Los Angeles, California, Hollywood, land of stars. Uh, this week, we gave you guys a couple extra weeks to read our latest This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club selection. What we did um, was took four big first appearances from the very birth of the Marvel Universe. So it was first appearance of Fantastic Four, first appearance of Hank Pym pre-Ant-Man, which I had never read before. I read that for the first time. Uh, first appearance of the Hulk, and first appearance of Spider-Man. Now, were you, Alex, reading all these for the first time, or had you read some before? Uh, I've read Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Actually, pretty sure I have a hard copy somewhere at my yeah. house. Uh, I've read Hulk before. Ant-Man is my first one as well. Yeah. And Fantastic Four is my first one. So what do you think? Um, I thought that they were awesome. I love the Fantastic Four, the uh, whole origin. It was very different because, I mean... Ben Grimm's an angry guy, but right. I, I, he's never been that angry before. Yeah, that's kind of that's the crazy thing about all of them, Fantastic Four in particular. But like these are not—you really see like the rough versions of these characters. I thought it was yeah. awesome because they still are those characters today. You know, Spider-Man is still this Spider-Man. The Thing is still the Thing. But this was like raw. Like this is you know this is the concept that would end up inspiring everyone to come. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Like, the Fantastic Four was especially kind of yeah, brutal. Yeah, uh, Reed, his whole, I'll call myself Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, a little arrogant, bro. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See where you're going with that. <laughs> but it's definitely crazy, like, if you look back at other comics of the time, you know, this is the point you beat over the head again and again. It's like, comics back at this time were very, you know, just very light. They're yeah. very just like, you know, here's a story this month. It doesn't matter. What happens next month doesn't matter. These characters all get yeah. along. Well, the Always Ant-Man. a happy ending. Yeah. Ant-Man was just like, you know, a little standalone story yeah. in a bigger book. So, I mean, you didn't even get much of really right. Hank Pym in that. But, like, yeah. you saw where it came from. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but definitely, I'm saying stuff like the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Hulk. I mean, basically, you got, like, picture if you're reading, like, DC books at this time. Where it's basically, you know, Superman smiling, yeah. Batman and Robin teaming up. The Fantastic Four which is this team of people who are fighting like crazy. And that's the thing is like we always talk about how at the heart of the Fantastic Four, you know, they're a family and they bicker and whatever. But you read Fantastic Four number one, this is like, they're like brutal to each other. Like they're mean. Like Ben Grimm is a mean guy. Yeah, he's, he's got a very mean guy. Like, you know, he's a good dude at the heart of it. But um, yeah, and just like they don't get along. Spider-Man is very, very flawed. Uh, you know, he, he his uncle really does die because of him. We've seen it in the movies a million times now. We've seen it on TV. We've seen his origin done so many times, so to see the original version yeah. that everything else spanned from. Yeah, you see, like, where he came from. Yeah. Exactly. He wasn't always Spider-Man, yeah. <laughs> you know? He's in it to make a quick buck. <laughs> yeah. And even Bruce Banner, um, you know, very much, like, you know, kind of, I think, almost, aside from maybe some of the Fantastic Four, maybe the most heroic of all of them, in a way, because he wants to ultimately do good. Yeah, I think he's the most heroic. I think he's the like he's still like his counterpart now. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think he's like the most like the closest to it. Yeah, but um, the Hulk is completely different. Yeah, the Hulk is completely different. He yeah. actually you know has thoughts and like talks yeah. and everything. <laughs> this really was like this was really like when they were doing the Jekyll and Hyde deal. Yeah, it was just like he's he's just a At night, big he yeah, turns into it. Turns to the Hulk, he's just this bigger, meaner, surlier. And then even guy. that one part um, in the book where they're like, 
the big monster so stealth or something while yeah. like moving around. I was like, that would not be the Hulk. No, now. no, I'm no. Just smashing things. No, the Hulk completely evolved. Uh, and I, don't, uh, I don't think the Hulk now you keep like miss. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And Fantastic Four, I, we're just jumping all over the place. We're just fine. <laughs> this is what reading clubs for. Fantastic Four is really like almost two stories in one because you get the origin, mm-hmm. then you get this big monster fight against uh, yeah. Mole Man, yeah. where Jack Kirby, who drew three of the four stories. Stanley wrote all of them. Steve Ditko did the art on Spider-Man, um, Amazing Fantasy. But Kirby, like, is at his best in Fantastic Four number one, drawing all these crazy monsters, drawing all the powers. Yeah. It's just like the ferocity of that guy's art, um, especially like yeah. you know, especially it, early on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, he's he's twenty years into his career, but he's like his best stuff is still to come. But this just like his raw power. It's really, really incredible. Yeah, these are great issues. Very, great comics. Yeah. Uh, definitely different from what you guys are expecting. If you've never read the original stories, if you came in through the movies or the newer comics, like mm-hmm. just cool to read. They'll be a shock to your system, and I'm anxious to see what uh, some folks thought. So let's go to questions and comments. We got Jonathan Dunker. Thanks for having us read these early Marvel classics. I've started reading everything starting from the earliest publication date. That's cool. We'd definitely love to hear your thoughts as you kind of like move through Marvel. There's a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of stuff going. There's on. a lot to go back yeah. to. <laughs> Taylor Anderson, I bet those scientists weren't making fun of Pym when he figured out how to become giant man. <laughs> yeah, he gets ridiculed at the end by by all the other scientists. Well, it's the beginning and the end for like yeah. basically like your work is useless. No one cares if you can change size. He kind of takes it though, you know. Oh yeah, he's, he's, he's just he like, yeah, it didn't work out, but yeah. you know, truth, it did work out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more from Taylor. I can't believe the FF went from battling a guy named Mole Man to taking down Galactus. <laughs> he has to start somewhere, and Mole Man, he's endured. You know, he's yeah, a character he's still a big character today. still. Yeah, yeah, he's a great he, character. He, got, he was in charge of all those monsters, I yep. mean. <laughs> For sure. It's huge. For sure. <laughs> um, and then flat, final one from Taylor. It's interesting that originally, or two more, originally Hulk changed at night. Where Hulk, anyone? No, he no. still is affected by the gamma. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. he's not trying to save Rick Jones. He's not, he's not a werewolf. Yeah, and you know, well, that you know, and that touches why I said Hulk was the most heroic of it because he's the only one who basically like his origin is caused by a very heroic act. Oh yeah, like Spider Man's an accident, Fantastic Four it's an accident, mm-hmm. Hank Pym total accident. But even though this is an accident, it happens because he's trying to save Rick Jones's life. Yeah, so that was kind of what Fantastic Four even like. They like basically steal the ship. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like glossed over. They totally steal yeah, a they spaceship, sneak in, and then yeah. just kind of blast off. Yeah, because they needed to beat the the commies, which was I, I can't believe that's still intact, which is amazing. Yeah, the one um in Hulk, the one person I forgot his name already, but he uh that like makes the gamma radiation blow up when mm-hmm. uh, uh the gamma oh, blow uh, up. Oh, Ivan. Yeah, yeah. The Russian he's actually, spy. Yeah, he's a spy. Yeah, yeah. We did not like the Russians in the sixties. <laughs> they were touched upon in if everywhere. You're, if you're not aware uh, of American history, we did not get along with the Russians during the sixties. Finally, amazing fantasy number fifteen is just as powerful today as when it was written. A great origin for a great hero. Yeah, that's why when they redo Spider-Man's origin, whether it's for a movie, whether it's for a TV show, whether it's a retelling, even what Dan Slott's doing now, like they don't mess with it much because it's pretty much the perfect origin. Yeah, they always keep like all those themes like yeah. in order, no matter what, no matter how they're telling it, it's always there. <laughs> Definitely. Dead Guy Comics loved all the origin stories. Felt like I got multiples for the price of one with some of the comics. Yeah, they were they were meaty. Yeah, there's a lot like, to them. Uh, Hulk and Fantastic Four had like a three parts, I think. Oh, yeah. They said like part one, part two, yeah. part three. I mean, they're the same size as a normal issue, yeah. but like, yeah, it feels like you're getting a lot. And you are. Yeah. And they also said, and Spidey never disappoints. Very much a classic. 
Squirrel, go- uh, <laughs> Squirrel Boy, 28 point now. No, I, we already covered that one oh, last week. Oh, yeah. Um, my fault. Squirrel Boy, 28 Sorry, point my now. <laughs> my two-year-old Jack has taken part in this week Twim URC as I read him a fantasy Amazing Fantasy 15 for bed. Very cool. Hashtag yeah. share your universe. There's a little video of that, but I mean, oh, that's can't, awesome. can't include the vine on the... <laughs> I'm going to go and watch that. That's that's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh, Squirrel Boy, I hope you enjoyed it. He'll, he'll appreciate it more as he gets older. But, yeah, Amazing Fantasy, I mean, it's, you know, it's... it's it's a story with a lesson. Mm-hmm. It is really something like you you can share with your uh, with your kids and kind of you know. Love to see that Pim Hank Pym has been always been troubled about his creations from day one and stayed part of his character for so long. Yeah, he's flawed, man. <laughs> he's very flawed. Hank Pym is like you know everyone thinks he kind of like got messed up in the seventies or the eighties, but no, he, from from Jump Street he from was, the get go, yeah, he, <laughs> he was a he was a complex dude. That's what makes him interesting. Penelope Cat. Reading these four comics really shows Marvel Origins as a publisher of monster comics, definitely. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the things, is that, you know, they were just getting out of, you know, superheroes were not selling at the time. This was a new thing. They've been doing monster comics for years, but yeah, you see it with the Hulk is kind of a monster comic. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man's Origin is certainly a sci-fi thing. Oh, yeah. And even Fantastic other parts in there yeah. that were, like, different mystery and monster Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Comics, yeah. And even Fantastic Four, they kind of hedge their bets by, like, you know, the thing's a monster, and they're battling these giant man monster, monsters, yeah. for sure. Uh, more from Penelope Cat, Tales to Assange and Hulk feel very much like almost 50s sci-fi monster movies. Fantastic Four, number one, also feel, feels focused on monster hunting. Arguably, Amazing Fantasy really gives us Marvel's first real superhero in Spider-Man. That's a good point, because the FF are, you know, they're more adventurers, they're explorers. Yeah. The Hulk is just a scientist who turns into a monster. Spider-Man really is the first costumed, uh, I'm going to go out and be a superhero type of guy. Yeah, he's the actual one that like find the whole, you know, power of responsibility and everything. Yeah. <laughs> together. Jim Radloff, enjoying baby's first Twim URC with Fantastic Four number one. That is awesome. Forgot how different 60s comic dialogue was. Is Yancey Street in London? Uh, okay, here's the deal with Fantastic <laughs> Four setting. When they first started out, they were in a fictional city. They were not in um, New York. And then as of, like, issue three, they're in New York, and they basically just rewrote it as they were always in New York. I think eventually John Byrne did some story to explain why the first three issues took place somewhere else. I think it's three issues. But, uh, so Yancey Street was originally in whatever city they were in, and then it's in New York. So Yancey Street, I don't think it's a real street. It's, yeah. in, it's in New York City. Uh, there might be one in London. Probably. It's not the one, the thing. They might have, like... To base it off the one in London if there was yeah. one in London you know but possibly really. <laughs> alright moving on to Nolan J. Hitchcock fun to see the original version of these characters the thing was a jerk and clearly wanted Sue <laughs> yeah that was a thing that hasn't really been explored yeah does he even say in the yeah. book he's like oh yeah he says like why did you, you pick Reed over me <laughs> yeah. yeah he's totally jealous of Reed and all that I mean the only place I've really explored that is Ultimate Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, like we said, it's a very different comic. And if you keep reading those FF issues, which I've actually been doing because I've never read the original FF and I'm almost to issue 100 now, um, seeing how they get to the FF we know and love is very interesting. Even the art, because the thing is very, like, craggy and weird. Yeah, in the, the first one. The first issue, he's very, like, getting him to, like, yeah, like, getting him to more of the rock style. It's yeah. very interesting. All right, also from Nolan, I really like early Hulk. More articulate than expected, but no less angry, for sure. Um, agreeing with something you said, Drew Hamilton says, and I'll call myself, Mr. Fantastic is the most arrogant line ever. Ha ha. 
Uh, also, when were pin particles introduced? Well, I mean, they're technically introduced here. Yeah, but they don't really call them. They pin just particles. don't call them pin particles. Yeah. But in re in you know retroactively, this is where pin particles mm -hmm. were introduced. All right, we're gonna finish up with Robert uh, RS RCS underscore T. Great choices of these books. I missed the multi-book story arc, but I love the origin stories. Glad you dug it. To comment on the evolution of the art from these old comics to more current stories for each of these heroes. Yeah, you know, the art's changed, but, I, you know, again, I was really impressed by how much it held up. I love the Hulk story and the interesting choice of transformation being night-based. How long did this night Hulk outlast? Not very long. Uh, the original Hulk run was only six issues long and ended up getting canceled because sales were low. And they became a guest star, which is crazy to think about. Hulk was canceled after six issues. Yeah, I think it pretty much now. <laughs> yeah, I think it pretty much lasts the six issues, and then when he starts showing up as a guest star, he's not that anymore. This is really the first story of Ant Man I've read. How long before Ant Man was a hero? Can you suggest a book to read more? Uh, he continues his adventures in Tales to Astonish, which is where he first appeared. Um, it's a few issues later. Uh, just go through Marvel Unlimited and look through Tales to Astonish, and he's right on the cover. There's a first appearance, of the, you know, Ant-Man in costumes right there on the cover. Great solo adventures of him. The Wasp gets introduced. He becomes Giant Man. All that stuff happens right in Tales to Astonish. Then, of course, he's in the Avengers as well. Finally, this is commenting on a non-Ant-Man Tales to Astonish story, which is great, because, yeah, like Alex said, there was an anthology. There was a bunch of other ones. Exactly. I really loved... The story in a story about the boy who created the permanent bubbles. With this age, comics was that common. Yeah, Tales to Astonish, Tales of Suspense, Journey into Mystery. That's where, you know, Iron Man and Thor first showed up. They were all anthology books. They were original, you know, it would be like three or four short monster stories. And when Hank Pym first showed up, that was just one of the monster stories. He ended up catching on and becoming popular. And eventually he took over Tales to Astonish. So it was just uh, Ant-Man. And then eventually, actually, Hulk would replace him. Um, and all of these anthology books, and, you know, originally Tales of Suspense was more horror books, but then Iron Man got a lead story, Iron Man took over, then eventually went to Captain America, Journey to Mystery was originally Thor, you know, all sorts of different characters would show up in these anthology books, but yeah, it would be a lot of different short stories. And uh, back to his, his comment, can you suggest mm -hmm. another book to read? Um, if you're really excited for the movie, mm. I just read these uh, about like a week ago, because I just saw them and had to read them, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, was it Marvel premieres the astonishing, the astonishing Ant Man number forty seven forty eight introduced uh, Scott Lang. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Scott Just Lang to steal an Ant Man. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. yeah we're so, actually we're actually doing on Marvel.com right now the history of Ant Man. Oh really? Um, and all those all those books are in there. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. Go there and check out the books that Alex talking about if you want to get to know Scott Lang. Yeah, was, I, course, I thought it was the like, second Ant Man. I was like, it was a cool story. I really liked cool. it. And um, you know, like I said, for the movie, it'll get you up yeah. to the speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And keep following yeah. the history of Ant Man too, because there are lots of Ant Man. Yeah, and then a, yeah, Eric O'Grady, the irredeemable Ant Man. Those are just funny stories. Yep. If you want to check yeah. those out, well. so lots of Ant Man stuff out there from across the decades. Yeah. All right, so that's Tumi RC this week. Uh, Ryan passed me along his next pick, which we'll read in two weeks, and that is going to be Spider-Man Blue, which is a uh, limited series by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale from around 2002 or so. I'll put that up ASAP, and you guys get to read that. That's one of my favorites. It's very cool. It's definitely uh, timely with the recent Spider-Man movie that's out right now. Alex, thank you for uh, thanks for all your help this week. It was my pleasure. I was really excited and happy to do this yeah. again remember really cool. tweet him to let him know how he did I think he did great but we want to hear from you guys as well thank you guys for joining us I'll be back next week hopefully Ryan will be here who knows if not we'll just have Alex host again awesome this is Marvel your universe